This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm Chris Hambling and I'm your host today as we look back at another last-minute heartbreak for Vieira's impressive Eagles, as it was Arsenal this time who snatched a point in the dying moments. So, yeah, I'm back. Um, and I'm going to pretend that nobody insulted me whilst I was uh, <laughs> not on the show um, in any way. Uh, you know, I, Let's pretend I didn't even engage with it in any form so but thank you so much to everybody who commented on me while i was when i was elsewhere um hugely appreciated and i'm joined by nick and cara hello nick first of all how you doing we have missed you mate it's been yeah. funny about you mike mike's mike's all right but he's, he's not you do you know what i mean no exactly I, I understand that and i'm so sorry to everybody that we were delivering such a substandard performance in my absence it's just one of those things it's like a uh, like when you it, it wasn't substandard. Yeah. It was different. No, it's just that was my judgment. That's all. Oh, um, uh, mm. yeah. I, I, I listen. I just, I just, I've got very, very high standards. That's all it is. It's like having you know Wilfred Zaha out for the game, isn't it? <laughs> um. Anyway, I could speak to you again. And I didn't mean any of that. In case people have forgotten who I am and think who is this dickhead, I, I genuinely didn't mean any of that. I take it all back. I'm sorry. Um, New Hi, hi, Cara. First time that we've been on a show together. And I gather that Mike gave you literally no real introduction at all about it being your first show. <laughs> no, I think it was my fault. I'd uh, been so nervous about making sure I got everything else right that when uh, he said introduce yourself, I just completely forgot who I was and everything about me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, apologies for that. Well, that's right. And I mean, Nick does that every week anyway, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's fine. But, um, yeah, great to have you on the show. Uh, a fantastic debut. And um, you, you got anything you want to say to listeners about who you are, why you support Palace, anything like that? I went too high. <clears throat> <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of a controversial one actually so uh oh maybe it was better I avoided it but I actually um Chris Clark's the only one on the pod that knows this but I'm actually born to two Charlton fans oh, uh, oh no. yeah 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 we're gonna we're gonna go there um but fortunately they're two Charlton fans who decided to move to Croydon um and really believed in supporting your local club so I massively dodged the uh Charlton supporting bullet there um and was brought up going to Palace 
Um, which I'm very grateful for, especially at the moment. When I was younger, less so, because Charl and Moira went through that brief spell of being okay. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, just uh, kind of been obsessed with Palace ever since. Um, and here we are today. So uh, yeah, definitely fell on the right side of the tracks to have the bragging rights every weekend. Indeed. I mean, that, that was a harrowing story at the start, but it did have a nice ending. So, <laughs> I mean, it, good things can happen. That's, That's true. It. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we better crack on with the news from the week. We're not going to talk too much about these, but first of all, just um, just a, another thing for you, Carl. You've picked up our Instagram account, a bit of a relaunch. Um, so, want to want to plug away? Yes, please. Um, yeah, so we're, we're giving Instagram Instagram a go. If I can say it, that'd be helpful. Um, so we are on uh, at Back of the Nest CPFC. If any of our listeners wants to give us a follow, um, and also if anyone has any kind of ideas on what they want to see on there, would be really helpful. Um, it's obviously quite a different platform to the others that we use at the moment. So. Um, anybody wants to kind of drop us a few comments on on what they want to see us posting or any kind of interactions they want to see that would be great i actually joined instagram for the first time because of the relaunch so thank you cara i've got <laughs> relatives contacting me now i forgot existed <laughs> thank you i don't they know if it's a good thing or a bad thing nick they, no, they, you they, they, they let people of your vintage on instagram that's interesting didn't, didn't i know that. I actually logged into MySpace the other day, but that's for another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be on that podcast. But anyway, we'll have to move on with this one, I think. Um, So the under-18s played in the Premier League Cup against Manchester City, uh, who are obviously very, very, very good. And, well, what a result for for Palace. They were actually leading at one stage, but were pegged back for a 2-2 draw, which is something we're familiar with and um but it was uh, victor akamwale and uh david obu who were the scorers there so a uh, fantastic performance there uh, and we'll see how the team go on but they're still you know making waves pulling up trees great great team the 18s even with the slight refresh of the lineup um players coming in just as good as the ones that have moved up to the 23s which is really good to see and talking of the 23s they committed the ultimate sin losing to brighton uh, 2-1 this time uh, it was apparently a close match but uh, despite uh, Jesrin Raksaki's goal um, Palace uh, lost 2-1 there and judging by how much they celebrated a 1-1 draw uh, for the first team I imagine there'll be some sort of open top bus parade and a DVD about the under 23s winning 2-1 so look, look forward to those <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, they're, they're fun, aren't they? Um, and finally, Nick, appropriately named the Generation Cup. Um, do you want to take us through what that is? Well, given the news recently that we found out we're a lot older than we think we are, um, <laughs> um, with the faded oh, back then. Well, the club, oh, yes. the club, sorry. Yeah, with yeah. The club, yes. Uh, yeah. and we've got the uh, commemorative strip and everything. Uh, it turns out, because um, we are really old, we were one of the first people to go into the FA Cup. So um, the Generation Cup is a special tournament to commemorate the 150th anniversary of the FAC Up, featuring nine clubs who can trace their history back to the earliest days of football. Now, Palace were one of the first four sides to take part in all the meetings that drew up the original 13 laws of association football. If only they'd put one in there that said goals in the last minute don't count. Um, and they played in the first ever FA Cup in 1871, reaching the, the semi-finals. And there's been the link that's uh, 
been established with a club that formed in 1905. Uh, the tournament's being played at Hitchin Town, who were our first opponents in 1871. Uh, I wasn't at that game. Mm. Um, we're going to play Maidenhead first and then Hitchin Town, and then there's finals if we progress. Um, now, we've been invited to enter a squad of 24 players, not back of the nest, but Crystal Palace. Um, yeah, yeah. No more than five players aged under 40 can be on the pitch at any one time. And three players over 50 must be on at all times. So we, we can almost do it as back of the nest, actually. We? <laughs> we could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> players, players so far that have um, joined Alan Smith, the manager, are AJ, Julian Spironi, Darren Ambrose, and Eddie McGoldrick. I'm sure we'll hear more as uh, we get nearer the time. I come, so. Alan Smith's the manager as well, which is a, it's an interesting one. He's he's still pretty active on on Twitter and what have you. He's quite quite fun on there. So yeah, should be a, a pretty entertaining. Yeah. Uh, and unlike um, unlike Andros Townsend, he's still got no hair. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, what a what a transplant that is. Just just brilliant. Okay, we better talk about the Arsenal game. Uh, I guess. Um, but look, we had. Just as a quick heads up, we've got plenty of contact in and we'll, we'll get to some, some messages later on. And I've got a smattering that will take us uh, you know, into some different directions throughout the course of, of looking at the match itself. Um, but, you know, as, as a general kind of summary, um, and there's a tweet that captures this really well, which we'll get to later. But, you know, Palace, pretty slow to start and probably deserving of going a goal behind. Um and, and we'll talk about the goal in a bit. But obviously just got stronger throughout the course of the game. Really decent performance again. Um, but it's just that that final moment cost us. And um, I suppose that we'd, we'd be wrong not to start with the obvious, which is, you know, Palace playing incredibly well throughout the course of 90 minutes with no Wilfred Zaha. You know, we've got an awful record that was yet again flashed up on the screen, um, you know, watching the game at home as I'm, I'm not at games at the moment. And um, yeah, slightly, slightly depressing when they, when they chucked it on the screen, but now I didn't get any of that feeling that I usually get when Wilf's not there. You know, it, it's pretty apparent that that squad and the way that we play, we, we no longer have to rely on him doing those extra things. And it's great that he does. And I hope personally that that takes some pressure off, but interested to get your views as well. Uh, and I'll start with yourself, Nick on, you know, you were at the game and you know, what's your views on, on whether you even noticed that Wilf wasn't there. We didn't notice really. And a lot of people are saying, oh yeah, it's really good that we can, we can play without him, which is great. But, it made me think how well we would have played if we had him. And I think we would have destroyed them because we've, we've got so many players that can worry other teams uh, that it was a bit of a loss. Hopefully, um, his illness isn't too bad. I, I'm not sure what he picked up while he was on international duty. But, yeah, you wouldn't know, know that he wasn't there. And it gave us a bit of hope because we used to be a bit of a one-man team, if we're honest, didn't we? Yeah, we we absolutely did, um, you know, and even when we did play well when he wasn't there, we didn't tend to get any any results or anything like that, and it just became a kind of, you know, millstone around the neck to a degree. I mean, Cara, I mean, obviously, there are people who are more negative about Wilf than I'm comfortable with these days. It, it will never not make me angry um, <laughs> because I'm just such a super fan of his, and, you know, I can see I can see some of the debates and some of the arguments, but how did it make you feel seeing Palace play like that without Wilf? 
Yeah, I mean, good. I, I hesitate to say good because obviously, you, like, we always want to see him play, right? Like, there's, there's never going to be a game where we think, oh, it'd be better if Wolf didn't start. Um, not at the moment, anyway. Um, but I think coming away from the game, it was more thinking of the long term, how exciting it is to not be seen as a team that is just built around one player. Um, and I think that's got to have a knock-on effect of how we attract players to come to the to club, either to sign for the club permanently or to bring in kind of low knees or whatever. If we're not seen as a team that is just built around one player and there's not that much space for anybody else to come through, then I think that's really exciting. I also think it's exciting for the other uh, players in the squad um, who, you know, are going to be asked to step up. And especially if he goes away on international duty again, um, then they've had this little surge of confidence. They don't have to go into the next game without him with this feeling of like, oh, all the headlines are going to be, can we win without Wilf? Um, I know we didn't win this one, but at least we didn't lose. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it was just, it was just a marked difference. And I think within like, even in the first half, I know we didn't play like our best football probably in the first half, but it, it never felt like, oh, I wish Wilf was here. I do I do agree with Nick that I think if he was there, you know, what would we have seen? But I don't think there was ever that feeling of like, we, we really need him on the pitch right now. Um, and I think that can only be a good thing. And I think in a weird way, it's also a good thing for Wilf because... Mm-hmm. It, He's never had to have. He's never had competition, has he? He's never had. He's never had to see a Palace team without him play well. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what impact that maybe has on him going forward as well. Um, if he now has that knowledge that they can go out and and put in a good shift without him. Yeah, for sure, uh, Nick. Yeah, Will's having to develop as a player anyway because he's not as quick as he was. So as he's maturing, his game's changing quite a bit. So it's good that we've got the players coming through, like Elise, that can fill that role and, and the taking players on, perhaps which Wilf can't do as much, although he still does it, of course. But yeah, um, it's also good that actually you think, well, maybe Wilf will stay, that we've got this brilliant team behind us. So it's, it's you know, I, I think he could become our Matt Letizia and stay with us well, yeah well more hope than think but yeah um although nowhere near as as lazy obviously but um I think it's interesting there's first for the first time in a long long time there was a report in the press that Wilf would consider a new contract at Palace now I think having a manager that is prepared to play football the way he wants to play football you know it might be that you know, Palace represent the best option for him going forward. Obviously, you look at Newcastle as something that you might worry about, given the money that they've got, and they're not going to be able to instantly attract every superstar to to Newcastle. But you know, we we could we could see a bid coming in there, I, I think. But um, but beyond that, you know, like the, the, what he wants in terms of European football, arguably, if we carry on this level of progression, he might be his best shot at Palace. And I feel weird saying that, and I've probably you know, doomed us to relegation by saying it. So perhaps we edit that bit out. I'm not sure, but, um, <laughs> but there you go. I'm, I'm really, really encouraged by it. So next up in, in, in the show doc, it's, it's suggestively says coming from behind and I don't know who's responsible for that. <laughs> I think that might've been me. Yeah. I think it might've been you, Nick. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, I, I think we need to talk about the first goal, first Arsenal goal first, before we can talk about coming from yeah. behind, don't we? That would yeah, make sure. Sense. So, so the first Arsenal goal, um, you know, I hate, I don't like to pick out individuals, but you kind of have to when you're doing goal analysis. Um, so 
a bit of a theme developing in terms of set pieces against Palace and, and how we defend them. Um, and I'll talk more about that when we talk about Arsenal's second goal. But it was from a corner and it's as, as the ball kind of comes out from defending that first ball in, you know, people are kind of trying to find their way back to their position straight away with them rather than defending the moment. And um, But it was Ayu who was out on the, well, Arsenal's right, our left, facing up with Pepe. Just, you know, he's, he's doing the right thing initially, but Pepe plays a ball inside and goes on a run and Ayu just doesn't go with him. Um, so the one-two just beats us straight away. Pepe's clear into the box, cuts in on his left foot, which again is something you know he's going to do. He wants to cut in on that left, curl the ball in. Um, wasn't It wasn't a devastating shot, but it was well saved. Uh, and you've got to say the, the volley from Aubameyang was very, very good indeed. It's a really tight angle, um, but he's just perfectly timed it. But, you know, my feeling here, and it's something that repeats itself, is we do have an issue at the back post. You know, we concede a lot of goals at the back post in my mind. Um, maybe maybe the two in this game were the only two, but in, in my head we've conceded a bunch at the back post. I think it was something that we did a bit last year as well. Um, but specifically uh, in the in the Vieira era, as this defence is trying to kind of find some familiarity, it's an area we do kind of leave open, and um, just really, really disappointing. And but um, I, I, yeah, go on. It's always off of a good goalkeeping save as well. I mean, we've we've, mm. we've spoken in the past about um, Gaeta not catching the ball, but there's no way he's catching that ball, and, and it's a shame because it was a decent save. I can't remember who, who else we've played in the season where Gaita's made a really, really good save, and whoever's at that back post, as you've said, hasn't come in quickly enough. Uh, in this case, it was Jimmy Mack, wasn't it? Uh, it was, yeah. It shouldn't be happening more than once, and um, as I said to Patrick on his post-match show yesterday as I was walking down um, Upper Street uh, last night, um, Vieira took about 10 games until he got things completely right at uh, New York. So what is he, eight games in? So hopefully these are the little things that he's going to pick up on that and letting in late goals as well. So, you know, we've, we've got to give them their due, but the, the positives far, far outweigh the negatives, surely. So we can yeah, forgive they, them a little bit. They do. And obviously at that stage, um, you know, I don't know how worried everybody was, but, you know, it didn't feel like the the kind of level that, that we've been used to. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm conscious that we'd obviously conceded two against Leicester before getting on the score sheet. Um, but I think that was very different to this game because I think the two goals against Leicester came very much against the run of play. Yeah. We were the better side. But in this case, um, you know, we, we didn't look great from the off. And I don't know, Cara, is that something that, that you felt when that first goal went in? Uh, were you concerned at that point that we but we wouldn't be able to do what we did against Leicester and get back in it? I, d- I wouldn't go that far just because I think I had the confidence of seeing how we came out in the second half against Leicester. There's clearly um, so much belief that the players have in themselves and in the game that they're playing. So I wasn't kind of, it wasn't a write-off at that stage. I think my worry was ex- exactly what you said, that we came out against Leicester and we really looked like we were uh, going for the win, but also knew how to make that win happen. And I think felt like the way that we came out against Arsenal, they came out kind of really on it and all guns blazing, if you'll uh, pardon the pun, but nice. um, they did. And I think w- to my mind, we just looked a little bit like we didn't really, we, we couldn't really settle with, with them playing the way that they were playing at the beginning. That worried me a little bit more, but I think 
because they almost took their foot off the gas a little bit once that goal went in, my confidence started to build because I felt like they gave us the space to recuperate a little bit. Um, and that was probably a mistake on, on, on their behalf. And, you know, credit to us for taking advantage of that and, and, and the players staying focused and making sure that they could, could use that to stay, uh, you know, to get back on our game really and use that break to, to implement our, our strategy. Yeah, definitely. And and yeah, certainly Arsenal's approach after going a goal up had a, a part to play in, ha- in us getting back into that game. And it wasn't instant, was it? You know, it took a while for, for us to build a bit of momentum. Um, and I think when we look at the difference between the first half and the second half, it really was the aggression um, and, and the high pressing that changed in the second half. I think we pressed well in our own half in the first half after going behind but we weren't really getting up the pitch and pressing properly until towards the end of that half, um, which, you know, it, it does happen. And, you know, you do have an opponent there who will force you to play perhaps a different way than you intended. Um, but it was a, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great initially, but we certainly moved, uh, moved in the right direction after the goal. Nick. Yeah. You've got to bear in mind that we've got uh, players playing in positions. We're not used to seeing them play. I'm not sure how much they'd have trained with uh, Edward playing out on the wing to cover, cover for Wilf. Ayu, I think he's very nervous at the moment simply because he's not scoring. I mean, he had plenty of chances and, um, you know, as, as you said, he didn't, he allowed Pepe to get away. But I think we were, we were finding our feet a little bit with players in different positions. Um, didn't hit the mm. ground running as much as we could, but we certainly did come back into it in the second half. Quite a lot of play was at the opposite end to where we were, uh, in the away end. And, and the fans, as you say, we weren't too worried because we've, we've seen how well we can play all season and, we we mentioned it before when we were talking about the West Ham game. It wasn't until we scored against West Ham that we realised, actually, we can match these teams. And if you look yeah. at all the teams we've played, we've had a really, really, really difficult opening spell compared to other teams. And we've more than held our own. We've yeah, more than um, held our own. So the, the fans knew that. And I think we gave them a lot more, a lot more time than we would have had perhaps under previous managers. Yeah, I think so. I think that the difference in approach has made a difference to how we're viewing it. The fact we've only got one point per game, it doesn't feel like that. And you're right, it's a an incredibly tough opening to the season. And the only slight negative is that realistically, you know, we should have beaten Brighton, we should have beaten Leicester, and we should have beaten Arsenal. So we, you know, we've dropped six points, and yeah, um, but, we, we'd, but, we'd be sitting in fifth or sixth, you know. And um, yeah, it's it's incredible to think points. like that is better than losing games. It's still yeah. progress. Yep. That, the fact that, that we're that's... not holding on to games is better than chasing games because we're behind. There's a big difference there. Yeah, there is. I think that's that's a really key point. Is like I don't know if you guys remember, but like casting our minds back to the summer, people were already talking about us as like guaranteed relegation. Not even just mm. after this first spell of games. Like you know, they were already writing off our entire season. And I don't, I don't think that many Palace fans were thinking that, but certainly that's what a lot of the kind of um, like pundits and stuff were. Um, and I think that's the difference. Those games that you've just uh, mentioned, Hambo, like we would have, we would have come away from them going, oh, we should have won them, but we lost them last season. And at yeah. least this season, we're saying, well, we got three points out of those three games but we should have had nine um I still I am still very frustrated so I feel like I'm getting the positive uh in there early before I go on a massive moan about what happened later on <laughs> yeah well, well let's press ahead towards that shall we um, so we had to, we had some good things first and you know obviously talked about are you making that mistake for the first goal but you know you do get the side of the game that you get from Jordan are you is that he never stops working um 
and you know if he has got that confidence back you know he's much more of a goal threat when he's firing on all cylinders and we're not seeing that right now which is why a lot of people are talking about his place being under threat and a lot of people as we'll come to later talking about the fact that they feel Elise should be starting ahead of him um, which you know I think will come but for the time being you know the work that he does in the midfield the work that he does tracking back is extremely valuable and he wins a lot of free kicks as well so you know I want to they give him his props. And in this case, it was him nicking in front of a party as the ball came to his feet. It's a bit of a lucky ricochet to a point to Benteke. But um, what was so pleasing to me was watching Christian Benteke, you know, just the, the movement, the the confidence to take on the defender. He made Gabriel look really stupid by just chopping the ball to the right side. You know, as a defender, you've got to look at that and think he's definitely going to try and go on his stronger foot there. But for some reason... You know, the the he doesn't anticipate that. His his weight on his body is the wrong direction. And Benteke sees that and and just very, very confidently finishes and just so very, very happy to see that. You know, he's a fantastic forward when he's confident and on form. And, you know, his performances more often than not for a very long time have been excellent. And he doesn't really get the uh the credit that he deserves in my view. But um I think all of that comes from being much more aggressive, pressing much higher in the second half. And we just see the benefit. And it's not the first time this season. Uh, a couple of things, yes. It's the first time I've experienced limbs for many a year. Um, <laughs> I was walking back from, uh, I was having a nice chat with Emma Wright from our friends at Proud and Palace. And we were just walking back from the concourse out when the goal went in. Absolute mayhem. I was just going to ask you about IU, just take you back a sec, because I was quite quite hammered by that point it was a, a milestone that my son came with us we all met up uh in upper street before and with some of the preview lads and um mike and and um chris and whatever so absolutely plastered it was great getting drunk with my son at football for the first time ever <laughs> um, i watched the highlights because i can't remember much of the game and <laughs> i seem to be a lot better in the highlights than what i remember in the game was he were the highlights correct or not? I mean, they, they yeah, they they do give an impression of um, a near flawless performance, other than the um, the first first aberration defending. You know, my my assessment of his game was that it was pretty standard Jordan Ayew game in that he he did a lot right, um, but ultimately it tended to be that final moment, that final quality. So he had um, a shot well saved, but it was obviously very central. I think he had other opportunities to, you know, to make that right choice, but he just seems to be overthinking it at the moment for me. But I thought it was a decent performance. You know, it was a, it was a six, seven out of ten at the very least. I think. Don't know what you feel, Cara. Yeah, I always feel like I really want to defend him because I just feel like the stuff that he does well, or the stuff that he does really well, is really underrated. Um, and we don't talk about it as often because we like just kind of expect it from him. And then I know the mistake. Obviously, like this time the mistake led to a goal, right? So like you've got a you've got to criticise him when when it's due. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with what you said. But I think it's just uh, I constantly come back to this thing that he does work hard, and I think there's a lot of stuff he does off the ball that like you know even if you're in the stands uh, watching, you're not watching what's Jordan are you doing off the ball? Do you know what I mean? So. I kind of mm. run to his defence a little bit, um, but like at the same time, yeah, he's got to um, he's got to just improve those bits that are, are, are costing us um, at the wrong moments. Yeah, I, I think so. So, can I take issue there? The, the, the mistake led to a cross. It was mistakes in the box after that cross that led to the goal. 
Thank you for his defence. Thanks for that, Nick. It's an important correction. Just back to Ben Teke, I love the way he stepped inside. He's getting very good at that, isn't he? Do you think he's got his confidence back now? Yeah, and, of course. And how do you feel he felt about playing with Edouard? Because, be honest, did we, did we think we'd see both of them in the starting lineup ever this season? Well, it's something that I've been, I've been kind of wondering about because, you know, all the while, you know, when, when Zaha's in there and you're, you're always looking at the other side and, and, you know, the, the man we're just talking about, Jordan, are you? And you're thinking about whether or not we could do something different there. You get a lot from Benteke playing central. You know, Edward offers, you know, tremendous movement, you know, a, a very, very confident on the finish, um, much more direct and skillful and pacey than Benteke. But the side of his game that, that lacks is if we need to, first of all, if we need to get the ball up, up the other end quickly, which we're not doing so much these days, and that's great to see, but... If we do need an out when we're under pressure, you know, Benteke is a, is a great person to hit with that ball forward. But And Edward doesn't really give you that because he's looking to run off the shoulder more often than not. And, and you know, he is decent, very, very decent at bringing others into play. But Benteke does that really well too. Um, so I think he was really, probably really happy to, to play with Edward rather than vying for the same place as him. So you do look at that right side and you think, well, you know, Wilf can play right side and probably Edward could play out there as well. So I think it's given Vieira something to think about because it wouldn't be the first time, Ed- that wasn't the first time Edward has played wide in a front three. You know, he did it for Celtic a, li- a little bit. Um, more than capable, has all the attributes there. And it's just yet again, it you know, when you look at the business we've done in the windows, the players that we've brought in and the manager that we've brought in, it's just we've got so many more options. You think about under the previous manager, how often the manager said and we felt that the options just weren't there. You know, and pretty much, you know, we were we were throwing every option under the sun out there and we were never seeing anything different. We're seeing things different every single game and and we're seeing options that we haven't even taken because we haven't really needed to. So I, I do think, you know, Edward can play across any of that, those front positions. And I think we'll see more of that this season. But let's let's crack on and talk about Edward's goal since we're talking about him. Obviously, Elise had come on the, the pitch at this point. Um, and we, we were sort of back defending at the time because got ourselves level. And I don't know if we took our foot off the gas, but we did, we did try and get our defence organised at that point. And um, it was just a brilliant counter. You know, it's um, Gallagher who's who's back uh, defending and, and sort of nicks the ball. Elise is right alongside him and the two break at pace, exchange passes and, you know, it's just, it's it's not, you know, the ball from Elise is not what I would call a, a difficult pass to make when you watch it, but it's absolutely the right pass. You know, it's instinctively he knows where to put that ball. And I'm trying to say in, in a way, it looks like a really, really basic pass. Oh, look, Edward's there. I'll pass it to him. But the, but the precision for it, it's just, it's on the run. You know, he doesn't really have to pause, you know, and it just sets him up. So he can see that ball coming towards him and he already will be starting to think what, what to do next. And generally when he thinks about what to do next, the thing he does next is smash the ball home or at least hit the, hit the target. And, it's a tremendous strike. It's incredibly, again, the strike even looks like the keeper could do better or anything like that. But when you watch it closely, he's just using the defender to shield the strike. And, and so the keeper can't get set. You know, he, he can try and anticipate what's going to happen, but he's never, he's not going to see the strike. It's, it's, you know, you talk about fractions of a second, 
um, but he can't move until the ball's past the defender, and that's enough. That you know, the power, the pace, the direction on it, it's enough to go past him, and it is an absolute beauty of a strike. I loved it. It's good that we've got lots of different players scoring at last. But going back to Elise, how has somebody that young got so much vision already? What's it going to be like in two or three years' time? It's just incredible. Mm. It's watching Elise stroke the ball around or take people on. It's a thing of beauty, isn't it? And I can't believe he's only 19. Well, I, you know, I read a couple of the articles that came out about him. And there was one on Football London and one on The Athletic, and, and both were really, really good and uh, spoke to to managers that have previously dealt with him in both in the youth system at Chelsea uh, and obviously in his time in Reading as well. And they all sort of spoke of a a player who is a bit of a unique character, you know, can, can kind of seem a little bit distant at times off the pitch, but, you know, but also somebody that everyone gets on with and he could be a little bit, you know, demanding in training of, of, of asking why he was doing things back then. But I think the move to the Premier League will do him a, a world of good and playing for a, a manager like Patrick Vieira will do him a world of good as well. So he's always seemingly had the talent, um, but what went, what meant, <laughs> sorry, that's the wrong way of putting it, what led to him um, being at our club and, and not coming through the system at Chelsea and having to go to Reading and, and do all that stuff was the fact that the other side of the game, the kind of mental side of the game and the attitude side um, wasn't absolutely top class at that moment. And it's to our benefit that that, that was the case. And um, he's clearly been guided really well up till now. And we're just going to reap the rewards for it. Support for Back of the Nest is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they've just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BOTN at manscaped.com. So it's a wonderful piece of kit. Not all of us have, have got the product at the moment. I've got the previous generation, which was magnificent and um, and leaves you feeling uh, very smooth and very clean. Um, I have to say, uh, Nick, I know you're a, a manscaped aficionado as well, actually. So, um, you know, talk yeah. to me about your, your experiences, please. It's just fantastic. I mean, I'm old, really old. And I, I thought, oh, it's for the kids. But if you want to get rid of your chafing, get shaving. yeah copyright that that was beautiful yeah yeah i mean obviously you know anyone who's uh tried to trim downstairs with without the right piece of kit will have experienced uh moments of 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 chafing as you say and uh and and you never you don't want nicks either you really don't and i don't mean you nick of course no that's Um, how my that's how my dad thought of his name not shaving his balls but shaving his face (laughs) that's how he thought my name um, I'm a bit <laughs> jealous, though, because I know Mike and uh, Patrick in America's got the the uh, 4.0. That's got wireless charging, man. I have to plug yeah. mine in the wall. This isn't fair. Absolutely right. Your dog seems furious about this. And um, they've engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer, focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible comf- uh, for an incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Uh, so the fourth-generation trimmer has a cutting-edge ceramic blade, 
uh, and reduces those accidents. We so, did you say comfort to balls? That's no, another good one. Oh, that is a good one, actually. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one to four. Uh, as you say, Nick, the wireless charging. I mean, I mean, basically, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. I'm not sure I should have said that. It's in the, it's in the read, but I feel, I feel bad about that now. But, um, but hey, it's, the words are out there. We're not going to edit it out. So do, do join us. Get 20% off free shipping with the code BOTN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you, TM. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. What an exciting season for him to come as well. Like the uh, opportunity to play with all of these different players that we've been speaking about as kind of attacking options for us and that kind of mixture that we've got of that um, that kind of, you know, classic that everybody wants of, of, of new people coming through and the experience as well. Um, it just feels like this is going to be like... If he soaks it up, you know, in the way that in the way that he's got the opportunity to do, um, then then this season could be amazing for him. And I think it's important. One one kind of cautious point, I guess, is that like I know people want to see him play like all the time, but I do think it's important when players are first coming through that we don't just go like, oh my god, he's great, he needs to play ninety minutes every single week, like. Yeah. You know, let let him kind of test things out. Let him have a rest. Let you know we've got other options now. We're not in that position as a team where we need to kind of cling on to um, somebody that's got that talent and make sure they play every minute. Like, let's just take it easy on him and and, and not to put too much pressure and, and and just see what he can do. Like, I think it's mm. it's really exciting for us that that we get him for this season. But it's also a really great opportunity for him to be around the mix of players we've got at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree and. It's it's funny, and I don't want to keep harping back to to previous times. Um, but you know, seeing a nineteen year old come into the squad um, and get minutes, and, and you know, decent minutes, enough minutes to be able to contribute to games at first team level, is really encouraging. You know, it's it's you know, we we were interested in him earlier, and I you know, my gut feeling says if he'd came to the club earlier, you know, those opportunities would have been fewer and further between. So. You know, it, it is absolutely agree with that. It's the right time and, and the right system for him to come in and, and adjust to Premier League level. But he's, you know, he can go all the way. He's, he's an incredible talent, and um, you know, we'll talk more about the the riches that we have, given that we've got players out. And you know, you, you look at the potential lineup. It's um, trying to fit them all in is a challenge. But you know, we could really, really scare teams with what we've got. You know, in the in the attacking sense, which is we- great to see. We used to think we had an embarrassment of riches when we had Joe Ledley, didn't we? I mean, our times <laughs> have changed. Yeah, well, there you go. You've got to move on. You've got to progress. You can't stand still. And it's, um, it's, it's very, very welcome. Um, so, unfortunately, we do have to talk about um, 
the the second Arsenal goal and and that pegged us back to just a single point. And as I, as I've said in my notes here, I just to me it's it is evidence again that this is a a new defence. You know, we kind of it's you know it's infuriating, and we'll talk about how infuriating it is for sure. But we have to remember that I think many of us felt with the number of changes we had over the summer, the change of manager, it would take a really, really long time for this team to gel. And I think in some ways we have to remind ourselves that we've somehow stitched it all together and got a team playing this well in an incredibly short space of time. But you will find these things creeping in. You'll find spells in games where the midfield is disjointed from the back or disjointed from the front. You'll find lots of times where people are making the wrong decisions because they're not used to where the players around them are going to be. And it's really, really obvious at the back at times. So, you know, Anderson got a lot of stick the other week. Um, but, you know, he's trying to to learn how to play alongside Joel Ward, alongside Mark Gay and alongside uh, Tyreek Mitchell in a defence. He's trying to learn how to interact with Vincente Guaita in goal. And all of those things will take time so the positive from that is that we will get better and just through playing games and just through working on the training ground. And we do have to accept that for the time being, we are going to be a little bit soft, a little bit porous at the back um, if we switch off for even a microsecond. So again, a corner. Um, we'd already invited pressure. Let's talk about that in a bit. But the goal itself is so avoidable. You know, we'd, we'd already got that warning sign. Tierney was left at the back post and hit uh, hit the bar, underside of the bar, and it bounced away. We'd had that warning that, you know, the overlaps were coming um, and we'd got too narrow. Um, but we, but unfortunately, we didn't learn that lesson. And we did it again. Two but many bodies in the middle. And from the corner, Mitchell's at the near post. So, um, you know, his instincts after the ball is initially cleared are to start heading back towards where he should be as a left back, not dealing with the incident. And, you know, that's there's no one around him shouting. There's no one around him pointing. No one around him saying that the danger's not gone. Stay where you are. Pick a pick up a body. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, but I suppose probably the bigger mistake is in the middle. We have two, maybe even three Palace players challenging for one ball, um, which obviously in that process allows Lacazette to just peel away to the back post. And, you know, when it finds its way to him, just too easy. There's, you know, there's, there's no one to, no one to block it. You know, everybody's kind of just dealt with the, with the previous in previous moment and it's an easy finish. And, you know, yes, they celebrated like they won the cup. Um, you got a goalkeeper running the length of the pitch to celebrate a two, two draw. Um, and we can see that as a, as a massive compliment to us, but it's just, again, way 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 too easy so Akara I'll give you an opportunity to respond to that and maybe you know from there you can take us into your thoughts around the substitution and inviting (laughs) that pressure okay I'm gonna try and uh not go into a complete rant but I just I just don't understand (laughs) why that substitution was made and for me like I think everything you've just said is it is right and it's like a really good assessment of the goal itself but for me like it all stems from that that 82 minute substitution which I just I can't get my head around it because we it it felt like we were complete we were in control it felt to me even uh, following on from the second goal we scored that we were we were going for a third um and you know we wanted to see the game out to really kind of really shut Arsenal down and not give them a chance to come back um 
And I just can't understand why under those circumstances you would make such a big change to to kind of interrupt that that momentum that we'd got and that really settled game that we were playing. Um, I can't think of any other way that it's going to go apart from disrupt your team. And when you've got an Arsenal team that are obviously desperate to try and salvage something from the game, why give them the opportunity? Like, why give them that look in? Why invite that pressure? And, you know, just signalling to them that you want them to come and push onto your defence. That's why you're putting a defence. I just... I can't get my head around it. So I was absolutely raging and I'm still a little bit raging about it. Not, but not because, you know, I still think Vieira is great. I don't, you know, it's one mistake. It's, it's absolutely fine. Um, and he was obviously gutted. Like we saw by his reaction, he was absolutely devastated himself. So this is not me having a go at him um, in a kind of wider sense at all. But one thing that I started to think about is, do we think that he made that change or was that kind of decision informed by the last minute um, equaliser from Brighton. Um, yeah. You know, did he lose his nerve a little bit maybe in his own kind of, uh, you know, style of play? Um, and, and was that why he kind of felt like he needed to to defend out those last, um, well, it was going to be at least 10 minutes, wasn't it? I guess it was, what, 12 minutes in the end, um, which kind of explains it, but is still... Still doesn't really make sense to me in the message that you're sending to the players, because I think you can't say to the players like, you know, you can have absolute confidence in this game, in this style of play, in this high press, like this will get us the results. But to see out a a, a one goal gap, I'm going to switch defensive really quickly at the end just to make sure like it's kind of mixed messaging to me. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's frustrating. I'll I'll leave it there. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm really trying not to make too much of it. But the, the the caveat I put on it is should the players have dealt with the change better? It, you know, is that is that something we can lay at the feet of the players? Should they have coped with that kind of um, uh, uh, strategic change better than they did? I don't know. I'll leave that to you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, yes, they should for sure. Um, but, you know, I, you've, you've kind of covered everything there in the sense that as a tactical change, it did invite the pressure. Um, and there's always going to be that argument that, we were doing okay. You know, we didn't need that extra body. The, the team was functioning as we intended it to function. Um, you know, Ed, Edward was doing a great job still. And, you know, he looked tired when he when he went off. Um, but, you know, was that the right change? And, and I do think you're right. I do think the, the Brighton result had an impact on the thinking there. But, you know, the thing to always consider in that is there, there's an inevitability of a team at their own ground, chasing, you know, chasing the game when they're one goal behind, is they, they're going to throw everything at it. You know, you know their fans were on their backs. You know, Arteta really is, is you know, not winning too many friends there other than a, an upturn recently. But he's still, you know, he's still trying to motivate that team. And as I say, they've been in, they've been in pretty decent form. So you're going to get that, press you're going to get that intensity from the from your opposition towards the end of a game you know we didn't have that comfort of an extra goal and we were going we were dropping deeper and deeper in the game anyway so there's no guarantee that making that change caused the goal to be conceded um you're just you're just left with what ifs but um you know it certainly didn't help in the way intended um go on, nick quick yeah but much of the same way that um we threw on jeffrey schlapp against leicester to get somebody extra into the box. Perhaps he thought 
as and he thought he was trying to think of what Arteta would be doing. So he was trying to let's get another defender in, take one of the forwards off, sit back and defend the league, which is what I think most managers would do. Now, whether that's naivety on what is, let's let's face it, he's a developing manager in a developing team. So these things are going to happen. Um, it's just a shame. But like I said earlier on in the pods, we didn't lose the game at that that point. It was disappointing, but mm. it's just one of those things. And there were lots of other things during the game that, that could have changed the game completely. Um, just MacArthur's challenge on whoever it was, was that definitely a red? Because I didn't see yeah. it during the game and I've only I mean, seen a gif of it. So I've, I've seen it out of context. <laughs> I've only seen the, the seconds where he's actually wellied him from behind for apparently no reason. I haven't seen the seconds before that. I'm, I'm interested to know. And was that a turning point in the game? I mean, I mean, Carl, you said you said absolutely right. I, okay, um, just just as a quick nudge, uh, nod to uh, Matt Matt Watson and Vince Flynn. Hopefully, we answered your your two questions there. Uh, thanks for those. Um, you know, I think Matt, we we talked about it, and Vince, what can we do about it? I, you know, my suggestion is just be patient and wait for the defence to to gel that little bit more. I think that's all we can do. But in terms of this this challenge, when I saw it first off. You know, I've seen the ball loop up and I've just assumed that MacArthur is going for some audacious volley. Um, but when you see it back, I'm not, it, it, yeah, it's a hard one to explain that he's that far away from where the ball is going to drop. And, and, you know, my, my benefit of the doubt and the reason I think he only got a yellow is that he's shaped to volley, um, but he's just volleyed a leg instead of a ball. Um, that's going to be my explanation for it. I just think he's too good to get it that wrong. I'm just like, <laughs> do you know, like, I, like, real, like I, this is, is, is terrible, but I, I found it very funny. I'm not going to lie, especially, you know, Saka wasn't, wasn't hurt by it um, massively. If he was, that would have been different, but I just found it quite funny. And I just wondered whether he was just, just giving him a kick just to be like, yep, I'm here. This is what you're going to get. You know, that kind of maybe a bit more old school, um, mm roughing him up a little bit i don't know i could be completely wrong but i just think i just think he's too good to get to mistime it and it just it that badly it just feels like the you know if it's a deliberate act it just feels just that you know it's not even a smidge too obvious it's like the most obvious kick to let him know that you're there that you'll ever see in your life so but that's my logic it's like it it can only be just a kind of mental blip of I'm go- I want to volley this ball. Oh, I'm not going to volley this ball, but I'm going to carry on with the movement anyway. That's the only <laughs> rational explanation I can feel for why you would do it. You know, because otherwise you're just volleying a player, and <laughs> that's not it's not generally something that you should do. So, um, but look, we we we've seen red cards against us that have been unbelievably harsh, and we've seen people get away with all sorts. You know. And I'm still bitter about Kapui trying to snap Wilf's Achilles and getting no punishment whatsoever. So, you know, we'll we'll move on from it. But um, but yeah, and of course, you know, we get we get a sending off at that point. It is probably a massive turning point in the game. Um, but like, I think we want to want to sort of skip through to to the rest of the rest of the show. Now we've uh, we've gone into a tremendous amount of detail there, and um, yeah, hopefully, if you valued it. But you know, Nick, I'll just pick out the stat that you that you suggested we talk about. And that was in the last game against Arsenal. We made a total of 292 passes in the game. 
Uh, and in this game, we made a total of 495 passes. That's the difference wow. between Palace, Palace this season and Palace last season. You know, we got a, we got a team that's backing its ability. You know, we brought in some really good footballers, and we're and we're playing. You know, we're playing in a really brave way, and um, and that is obviously also partly the reason why you know we're still working on getting those getting those draws changed to wins. What's what's also interesting there, Chris, is the pass streak. Is where our average pass streak is five, which means we're getting getting times where we're passing it more than five times and not losing it. And we were we were doing that. We were losing the ball a lot under under previous managers. And just 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 to change the subject ever so slightly, talking about previous managers, Cara, you met Roy. Go on, tell us about it, please. <laughs> I did, yeah. Uh, there's not too much to tell. <laughs> Bless him. I, so I met him at this uh, um, mayor or Croydon mayor dinner event type thing, Majig, and he'd been absolutely hounded by everyone there. So I thought I'm, I'm not going to take too much of his time, but um, just said like, uh, well, you know, would you mind if I got a photo like Palace season ticket holder, blah blah. Um, and that as soon as I said the word Palace, the look of dread that came across his face, I thought, oh, you poor thing. Um, so yeah, I think he's still maybe getting over the trauma a little bit of. Uh, of those last couple of seasons, but he was absolutely lovely. Had time for everybody. Um, just really sweet, really lovely. Um, and yeah, takes a good photo as well. I think <laughs> the, the, the photo Excellent. you put in the, uh, in the WhatsApp, he looks about eight years younger. Yeah. It's, yeah, the, he, lighting. it's the lighting. <laughs> <laughs> it's the lighting. I just think he, yeah, he, he definitely looks better away from the, the rigors of, of managing palace. I think it was, uh, we all you know do. it was, yeah, we all do. Exactly. I think it was, it was time. Uh, you know, not not going to disrespect him. He did a tremendous job for us, but it was the right time. And glad he's um, yeah, glad he's away from it and uh, and looking fit and healthy, which is great to see. So um, we're going to jump ahead to some listener reaction now. And uh, the first the first message we've got is uh, is an email from from Tim Edwards, um, and it's not just about the fact that the email title is one of the best things I've ever seen. It's uh, it's a great email. So we can just get some thoughts here. From Tim. So the title was That Game Made My Arse Cry, as in A R S C O Yeah, 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 we know what you we know what you've done there. Um he says, What an emo- emotional roller coaster. I feel as gutted as Patrick Vieira at heart, at full time. Uh, great performance from the boys who completely dominated apart from the first and last minutes, R.I.P. Um however, I still think Ayu and Milivojevic play Roy Ball and don't seem to cut it under the new generation. That said, being an international fan, I can only watch the broadcast, which might have done an injustice to Luca, question mark, which I'll come to in a sec. Uh, not sure on the stats, but he seemed to misplace a lot of passes. Do you think Hughes for Milivojevic could have, a better, could have been a better change during the last third of the game? Interested when he will get a run on the pitch. Uh, and then he's mentioned that the combination of Edward, Elise and Gallagher was a thing of beauty. Talk about amazing signings, great business. Well, first of all, Tim, 100% agree with you on the signings there. Throw Eze and Zaha into that mix as well. And um, and I get very, very, very excited. So going back to the um, the discussions that you said there, talking around Ayu and Milivojevic, I think we've talked about Ayu enough for, for this week. So I think talking about Luka, you know, I've been a, a Luka fan. Um, I think he really struggled in the last couple of seasons under Roy. Um, basically, as soon as Kabai left and we stopped playing three in midfield, I think it really exposed him. I don't think he suits playing in a midfield too and it's no coincidence that I I feel he plays much much better now in the Vieira system but it's interesting you you feel he's struggling with the Vieira way of playing and um 
you know, I don't, I don't feel I've picked up on that. So I'll ask, um, I'll ask Nick for this one, and, and Kara, you can respond on the next one. So, um, Nick, what do you think? You know, from the game, from watching the game, what you remember of it? Um, you know, did Lucas stick out as somebody struggling, or, or, or you know, you've been critical in the past? Yes and no. I'm just, um, I'm just trying to look up his uh, stats actually for passing, just to, just to see what. Um, do you want me to stop? Um, can we stop yeah, for can... two minutes just while I look it up quick? No, I'll just stall. It's fine. Yeah, keep um, stalling while I have a quick. Yeah, look. I'm just gonna just gonna keep stalling. I mean, Mikey potentially could edit this out. I mean, he won't because it's extra work, isn't it? Um, but yeah. yeah, he could. Um, um, but talking about Will Hughes, I suppose is probably a good thing while you're looking that up. You know, he was a very very strong player in, in, for, for Watford, and he was great at Derby before that. He's a very very talented player, and I'm surprised we haven't seen him get any real action at all. Um, you know, he's. You know, he's got to be really, really chomping at the bit to get on the pitch. So um, that's an interesting one whether whether bringing on that fresh pair of legs in midfield might have done it. I, I think it's a good shout. I have to say, Tim, I think it's a good shout. Whether for Luca or whether that change instead of Tompkins, you know, taking, if you're going to take Edward off, maybe bringing that extra midfielder and try and stop a bit of the supply, you know, cover some more areas out wide. That's probably a very, very good shout for me. Nick, how, how was that? Yeah, well, he had an 84% success rate for passing. How does that compare to the rest? Do you know? Um, well, Gallagher had 67%. Um, Mitchell, 67%. Um, and no, it is about average for, for the thing. Ayu's, uh mm-hmm. pass rate was 96%. So everybody's saying him. There you um, go. He's done very, very well. So um, it's funny. Funny when the uh, when the stats show that. I mean, that's something we looked at even when when Luca was getting the most amount of criticism for giving the ball away so much. And you know, his his past statistics were were never that bad in accuracy. It's just perhaps more. He probably misplaces more passes in key moments than than others, and that's why you notice it more, I guess. But perhaps he's trying more. You know, who knows? But we we were talking about stats, weren't we? And, and looking at the the total stats, and a lot of it was in the last ten minutes for Arsenal, wasn't it? Where they they picked up most of their sort of stat plauditry is that a mm. phrase? I don't know. What to it'll do, it, but it'll do. It'll do. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So um, we've got a couple more uh, uh, messages on the kind of topic of the end of game tactics and um, you know the way we're playing. So both Greg Eggs, the fantastically named Greg Eggs, and a certain Mike Scott uh, mentioned. Can we talk about the, the tactics at the end of the game? Uh, which we did, um, you know, Greg suggesting he's very frustrated at the fact we were playing well under the four three three, but then we put ourselves under pressure and it was avoidable. I think you, you'll note we we pretty much agreed with that. But within that, Cara, Mike has mentioned that he felt Joel Ward played a blinder again. And there was an article in The Athletic from uh, Matt Woosnam talking about how he feels that Ward will be a player that um, Vieira is targeting to replace because of, you know, perceived limitations. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that maybe was true previously. I think I go back to what I said after the Leicester game, I think, that I, I, it seems like this style of play just suits him a little bit, just having that little bit more space, being given that little bit, um, that freedom, I guess, 
opens up other parts of his game or opens up that space um, for him to use in a way that he just didn't get before. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe he will be targeted uh, uh, to change. I, get, I think it just will come down to who's on the market, won't it, really? Like, there's no point getting rid of him if there's if there's nobody better. And, and let's see what the next couple of months bring um, in how his game continues to kind of uh, come through in this style of um, playing and, and take it from there. I think we've got to give him a chance to see if... Um, if he does fit in, um, as he seems to be doing pretty well um, over the last couple of matches. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I've been, I'm, I'm forever getting to a point of saying that, you know, Ward is, you know, getting to the point where he will be more of a bit part player than a regular right back. And f- he then just finds form and, and just another level. And I've been really impressed with him this season. And, you know, I do feel had Ferguson not had the issues that he's had, that he would have replaced uh, Ward. But it's obviously noticeable that he's keeping Klein on the bench. Um, and so Vieira obviously has some trust in him and, and long may that continue. But, you know, I have to be honest, I, I do feel that when you look at the progress Mitchell's making on the left-hand side going forward, uh, getting more and more involved game by game, you know, really, really impressed with him other than those occasional moments where he shows his inexperience. But that will that will change. You know, he's a tremendous young player. And I just think sometimes we lack that that kind of dynamism over on the right-hand side. And that's what eventually we'll see Ward replaced. But all the while he's putting in those defensive performances. And you know, for me, if he could just hang back from going too narrow on, on, on occasions, and it's always from a, for a good reason. He's always trying to cover what, what he sees as a gap in the middle. You know, he's got a decent bit of height on him. So, you know, I understand why he does that. And it's possibly even a direction for him to do that. But, you know, for me, we keep leaving that side exposed that little bit too much. And certainly if people are pushing, like uh, Sean, who, who contacted us on Facebook, pushing for Elisa to come in, which we've discussed, you know, I don't feel like Elisa is going to offer too much cover on that right-hand side when when Ward goes narrow. And that's why I use playing out there at the moment. And we also got a message from Insta from Karen Baxter, who's just given this summary. She's, we played well for the most part. Vieira needs to think hard on playing Luca and Ayu, which was which was covered earlier. Scored without Wilf, which is a positive. And why are Arsenal fans so damn quiet? No passion, nothing. Uh, do you feel that, Nick? <laughs> My favourite moment of the game, uh, crowd-wise, was the whole of the away end singing, if Arsenal sing, we're on the pitch. <laughs> and they still stayed quiet. And there was a bloke just above us, uh, on the tier above, an Arsenal fan in a fur coat who was going to do Lally. But yeah, I think we're, I've said it on the last few pods, this is the first season where I'm attempting to go to as many games as possible. I don't normally do away games. And it struck me how noisy we are at Selhurst. I think we're really spoiled. And anybody who doesn't go to away games but goes to Selhurst will be surprised at how little atmosphere there is at some of our so-called opposition's grounds. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that in the past, but um, oh, it's, all, it's always been the way. It's always been the way. And and again, the first time we went around the Premier League after promotion, it was actually soul destroying. Because you remember that promotion season; it was just insane at every ground. We were just it was just noise and, and energy, and and you know the the opposition were never quite. They weren't you know there was a few that were, were deadly silent, but the you know, the majority made a bit of noise as well. And as soon as we got to the Premier League, it was absolutely soul-destroying. But, you know, we, we've kept that going, which was um, really, really impressive considering I, what we've been through. Yeah. I remember when we got promoted, actually, the, the, the pods that season, we were saying, we hope we don't end up like Stoke do. Not, not in any way of playing, but the fact that their crowds just got quieter and quieter as, 
as the yeah. seasons went on. But then they had That's Mark it. Hughes, so yeah, exactly. You got to got to feel for him. But you know, when when the noise and, and the support gets replaced by moaning, that's that's the problem, and we've managed to avoid that in the main. Um, so I'm just going to wrap up with a quick quick roundup of the last three, uh, and then I'll say our goodbyes. Uh, Paul Holden went with if Elisa started, we could have won that game five nil. Um, Andy Hode, Andy the Twat, one of our favourites, uh, said Edward and Benteke up top was surprisingly good, which I think we covered pretty well. So to end on the tweet from one more point, a wonderful fanzine, uh, that issue they did with FYP was absolutely superb. And we had some good representation in there by Sam Heskiff as well. Um, but yeah, brilliant. And um, Palace 21 2021 to 22 template, 0 to 44 minutes relegation fodder, 45 to 69 minutes mid table, 70 to 76 minutes best team in the Premier League, 77 to 90 minutes okay, 94 minutes to 96 minutes for fuck's sake. (laughs) Absolutely love that. And uh, what a great way to end the show. So thank you, obviously, to my panel, to Nick and Cara and Mikey for producing. Thank you so much for all of you for listening to the show and in particular, every single one of you who got in touch today. As ever, read them all, can't use them all, but don't think we don't appreciate every bit of contact and it helps us build the show. The preview team will be with you in a matter of days to look ahead to our home game on Saturday with the Saudi national team. Um, as Steve Bruce lurks around like a bad smell before the inevitable. And as ever, plenty more content for you across all our social accounts and a wealth of live and recorded shows for you over on YouTube, including instant match reaction and a chance to get involved yourselves. So find us on everything by searching Back of the Nest and like, subscribe and be merry. Until next time, come on you palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.